first aeon, I was the great spirit. In the second aeon, men knew me as the horned god, pangenitor, panthage. In the third aeon, I was the dark one, the devil. In the fourth aeon, men knew me not, for I am the hidden one. In the fifth aeon, I appear before you as Baphomet, the god before all gods who shall endure to the end of the earth. In this new aeon, I appear to you as C.M.N. Imagine that there is a brilliant white light just above is commentary on the magic art in the years of the primal force in the dawn of Oh, that was very educational. Now magic will take place. Don't be fooled by what I just said. This is CMN. Welcome back, everyone, or welcome for the first time, everyone, to Chaos Magic News. It's um. I don't. I don't have a good one today. You, what was the one you said earlier? Satirical magazine Kennedy. Yeah, satirical magazine Kennedy, and I'm here with my co-host for our regular episodes. Co-host. Hey, how you doing, co-host? Hi, listeners. <laughs> um, I'm doing pretty good. I just moved in recently, and I forgot that I didn't actually have internet hooked up in here yet. So. So you made it a little complicated forcing the listeners to listen to you through a phone, like some kind of yep. 1940s um, uh, talk radio show. I hope I'm extra tinny and clangy for all of you, dear listeners. I know that's your favorite. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, um, first off, most of you are probably wondering what is chaos magic news. Um, chaos magic news is a media outlet that, commentates on current happenings in occultism and news from an occult perspective and it's also a podcast and boy are you unfortunate to uh, have found the podcast first especially today of all days but that being said we're, we're thrilled to have you here and we hope to make this uh informative introduction as well as possibly an entertaining episode if we're lucky <laughs> If we're lucky on both counts. Um, so as we've um, begun rolling out interviews as well, the big question we've been asking at the beginning of all of them is the same one we're going to ask here now. Um, and that why is, should you, and that is why should you care about chaos magic? You know, especially right now it is uh, 2022 and chaos magic stretches back as far as 76. And farther back, if you really want to get, you know, hair, you know, hair splitting about, uh, you know, which particular groups we can say like, oh, this is where it starts, you know, but it, it's definitely a um, 20th century phenomena that has creeped its way forward into the 21st century. So co-host, I think I'll start with just asking you, you know, why, why should you care about chaos magic? Well, ultimately. Chaos Magic still represents the the latest innovation and the furthest leading edge of occult thought and philosophy. Whether we like it or not, we're all postmoderns, especially the people that don't want to be postmodern, especially the people that didn't think they were postmodern and then realized after the fact. But we all we are all still in postmodernity, and nothing's really unseated that yet. There hasn't been a a great new school of thought in magic in quite some time. These things move slow. I think we're in the midst of a, another occult revival as far as the cycles go, but there still isn't anything new per se. No, at least nothing quite as um, paradigm shifting, I guess, for lack of a better word. And like you said, you can point at I use Robert Anton Wilson as a big example because to me, Prometheus Rising represents a foundational chaos magic book. 
at least on the grounds of experimental belief and paradigm shifting and using the various exercises and noting the results, seeing what works, what doesn't, until you get to what has practical application. You know, a model is only as good as it is useful. And I don't think anything has unseated that yet. You still have a lot of people that will cling to old traditions, and that's totally fine if that's your bag. But as far as what's new under the sun, Chaos Magic is still the the reigning champ, as it were. So if you want to understand where the current is, if you want to understand where the most recent mutation has occurred, you're going to at least have to be passingly familiar with Chaos Magic. Right. I mean, I, you know, obviously anyone listening is probably not going to argue too hard about that. Um, I think both of us have our fair share of criticisms for Chaos Magic as a, you know, a theory and a practice as well. But overall, I don't think that we can really come up with anything that's going to like you said, unseat chaos magic as sort of the, uh, the common um, area of innovation Absolutely. as far as magic's concerned these days. In fact, um, I didn't Gordon white have something he said about um to the effect of like, people don't stay in chaos magic. Chaos magic. Always... chaos magic is like a big airport. Lots of people coming and going. Very few people stay there. So you will see a lot of people going into it. And what they'll do is that they'll shift around with a bunch of different things. They'll find the thing that really works for them. And then they'll go whole hog on that. There's just a couple knuckleheads like us that seem to think that the airport terminal is actually a pretty fun place. Yeah, it's great. You know, they got a Popeye's there. No one's ever in line at it. It's the only (laughs) place you can get the chicken sandwich anymore. Man, that's like, that's great because that's a dated reference, but people will think that like it's Mm -hmm. timely. Like, Mm -hmm. wow, this thing's way older than I thought. Well, sadly, we have to talk about the news at some point. So that's going to break that illusion. But illusions were made to be broken. So. I mean, yeah, not all of them, though. I mean, you know, those like illusion, like, you know, posters that you stare at you know like you stare at it long enough and it's you're like oh it's a fish don't break those we're not supposed to no break no those? you'll get thrown out of the arts and crafts store if you do oh, man that's why i got tossed out of the scholastic book fair yeah that's why i got tossed out of my uh, therapist meeting kept holding up pictures of my parents fighting and i'm like nah stop it all right well I I think that answers that question pretty neatly. (laughs) I I don't think that there's much more to be said about it other than without at least a a passing familiarity, like I said, you're not really going to be in the know of what's going on as far as current innovation. And for some people, that really doesn't matter. Some people are like, well, I've got the PMG and that works fantastic. So. You know, if if you're interested in knowing what the what the latest is, then yeah, if if you've got your if you've got your stuffy robe tradition, and I mean that with love, if you've got your stuffy robe tradition and it works for you, you know, you, maybe you don't need it. But I think it's in most occulty, spooky, woo-woo people's best interest to try to be on that innovative current. Because that's the only way any of this is going to get anywhere. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so with that being said, um, how as far as magic's concerned, how's how's the work going? You know, what are what are you doing right now? I'm currently going through Lieber KKK. We'll we will shorten that to Lieber K because you know he wasn't. Yeah, reasons. <laughs> Carol, I don't, I I think Carol just didn't think it through or he just wasn't in the know because he's not an American, you know, but either way, Lieber K, I'm going through the course for that. And uh, quite frankly, it's just not going very well, but the most honest magician you'll find online folks, you know, 
very rarely do people be like, oh yeah, man, I'm been been doing this thing. It is it it sucks. I am not having a good time with it. Well, I'm I'm coming up I'm coming up on almost a year at this point, and I'm I'm not even halfway through. And I I'd love I'd love to say that it was entirely out of my control but part of it is just i've had a lot of personal upsets like i mentioned at the beginning i i did have to move so and it wasn't uh it wasn't a planned move as much of uh you have to get somewhere you know but at the same time uh i I am still making progress and i am learning a good bit as far as uh experimenting and really getting to the nuts and bolts which is you know that's good it's a positive um maybe the pace will pick up maybe it won't but i'm committed to sticking it out until i can say i've done it i've gone through it yeah yeah um lieber k's a pretty um and i i I suppose you a lot of people would call it like a beginner text right it's a very you know it's like a a rubric or like a syllabus of like here's all the things you need to do what made you want to go back to doing something so you know, so bare bones and so, you know, again, possibly, you know, um, uh, what's the word we're looking for here? Um, remedial rudimentary. Yeah. Remedial. Yeah. Remedial. That's the one I was looking for. Well, I think that does go back to what I was saying about the, the nuts and bolts of this whole thing, where when you get something that is so fundamental and you're only, you're only metric your only guideline is your own your own self-assessment and that's part of what's taking so long is that i'm holding myself to an incredibly high standard of you know did this work did it not there's no wiggle no wiggle room no trying to explain it as oh well it manifested as this way it's like no this is what i wanted to happen did it happen or didn't it and i got my big red marker that i'm going pass or fail with but that's the only way you get any better at this. You have to hold yourself to a higher to a to the highest standard that you can reasonably expect of yourself. But when you when you have something that is so basic, you do get to go down to the bare bare bones and peel back all the those onion skins and figure out where's this work? You know, in what context does this work? What happens if I change this? Because if you've got a if you've got uh, an old ritual that is tried and true that has been done a thousand times over and it works, then of course it did, you know, of course it worked. Everybody else, everybody and their mother has done this a thousand times over. This should work. If it doesn't work, then, you know, this is some really bum stuff. If you do Lieber Samic and the HGA shows up, then good. That's what was supposed to happen. For you to get to the the bare bones of what's going on with that ritual, you'd have to do it a hundred times over, changing every variable as many times as possible, and figure out well what happens if I do this? If I just you know if I just speak gibberish instead of doing the barbarous names, what happens? If I do it completely in my head, what happens? What happens if I go around the circle the other way? You'd have to control for all of these particular variables and really get down to this is the thing that is making me get the contact. And with Libra K, at least, every every opportunity is a blank slate where you get to – if something didn't work, you go back, do it again, change something until you get to this is the thing that is making the thing happen. There is the question of, well, what's it matter? If something works, it works. But I would say maybe it's the difference between – because we had this conversation before. It's the it's the difference between building a, a gaming PC from the ground up and buying a PlayStation. They do the same general thing, but if you want the GTA experience where you've got Optimus Prime as your tractor trailer going through and every every character has modded machine gun arms and you know there's uh a whole new soundtrack that's just white noise and tire screeching, then that is something that you're only going to be able to get with a tailor-made experience. And that's, I think, is what I'm driving at, is I want something that is going to get me to my peak performance of this is what works. And granted, it might only be what works for me, 
and what gives me the best experience on the level of results, enjoyment, this, that, and the other. But the only way you figure that out is by doing rigorous experimentation. I think that goes back to something that's, um, I think one of the big driving things about chaos magic and people getting attracted to it, it is that it's highly individual, even when, um, you know, Carol and other people are, um, laying out their, you know, basic guidelines for what you're supposed to do and how you're supposed to go about it. There's so much room for whatever particular type of person you are, whatever your views on the world end up being by the end of it for your own personal you know, experience and touches. I think the, I think one of the bigger things is, and I'll go ahead and say this right now. If you're somehow listening to this and you don't believe in magic, magic isn't real. Don't worry about it. Who cares? Doesn't matter. Nope, not real. Don't. Yeah, it doesn't matter. That's chaos magic all. news. It's fake. This, yeah, this is all absolute nonsense and there's nothing, there, there's no point. Don't worry about it. But if you already believe in this stuff, you you have a duty to yourself to get as good at, good at it as possible. To, yeah, to get, get yourself good get yourself the most efficient performance out of yourself and try to get it down to the level where every single time you are getting the best out of yourself, that you're not wasting your time and energy doing a lot of unnecessary stuff that you didn't need to be doing. I think the only way you do that is by, like I said, doing the the experimentation. And I think maybe that's something that can get lost if you are working with all of these sort of prefabricated systems. Maybe that's the reason you should care about chaos magic. It's like, man, cause why? Cause the golden dawn and planetary hours are complicated and maybe you don't need them. And I'd like, Oh to, yeah. I'd like to think that eventually we're going to get some kind of scientific bedrock that we can all no. hang on to and be like, this no. is how this works. I don't, Never. I don't think so. I don't Never think it's going to happen. Well, don't think you know, it's going to either. I think that's the sure sign of somebody that doesn't know what the hell they're talking about is the minute they either come up with a really complicated and convoluted scientific explanation for magic, or even if they have just the idea of like, I can prove that magic works because every time I do it, everything goes exactly according to plan. And, you know, it's like, I'm, not, either, I'm not discounting the possibility that they're either they're either lying or they want you to buy their book or both. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and like I said, you know, I don't think there's, um, I'm not denying the idea that somebody out there probably has, you know, better magic than me. I mean, it's unlikely, but maybe it's possible. Um, mm -hmm. but there's definitely the idea that anyone has a, a singular answer for how magic phenomena works and it's actually going to hold up under any kind of scrutiny is such a ridiculous idea that I don't think anyone even, you know, really goes for it anymore. I think it's more of a turnoff. Part of the appeal of a uh, chaos magic is that no one's actually sitting around telling you 100% why anything works or how it's going to work. There's so many older systems that exist on the basis of having like very fully formed theories about how these sorts of things come about and, and they're all wrong. Yeah. And they're all, every single one of them has some glaring error or some gross oversight. That's just like, yep. well, yeah, of course. And I mean, and you know, more often than not, it's just sort of like, well, you know, this isn't really, none of this really makes sense anyway. So if you're starting with the idea that there, are, there's a super powerful entity that created all things. And then they made, the the really really awesome thing that serves them and then some of them went bad like that's already kind of like you're like well fuck of course super powerful creator of the world and he still has a fucking rebellion yeah it's frankenstein's um, all the way down right yep frankenstein's all the way down i i guess that's the problem too is this that if you if you're willing to work within multiple models and and regard them all as arbitrary, at least you have some flexibility in your degrees of wrongness. And maybe you can maybe you can figure out that maybe nothing that is capital T truth, but you can find 
the thing that works for you the best because sadly we all are individuals yeah but and things that are and i i think anybody who has any experience in talking to other people well you're you're gonna know somebody that is gonna swear up and down about something working that has just never gotten you've never gotten it to work in your life and i don't know the explanation for that but i do know that if it absolutely doesn't work for you there's only so much energy you can give to it before you say screw it let me how about i just grab the rollerblades and try it now you know Maybe the yeah. maybe the thing that was missing from this uh, this Gnostic mass was me uh, getting my elbow pads and doing a little roller derby, you know. And the only way you're the only way you're going to find your weird quirks and idiosyncrasies as far as what works is to do it. Yeah, yeah. Pragmatism is king in magic at this point. It's really hard to justify spending hours and hours pouring over um, Agrippa. If every time you've tried to do anything that you learned from it, all that happened was you got yelled at by your landlord. Sorry, what? Pouring over what? Agrippa. Agrippa's dick. Oh, I regret everything about this podcast now. <sighs> Channel over. Channel over. Um, so we are, um, as we've said before, Chaos Magic News. So what's in the news? Yeah, what's in the news? Un- unfortunately, uh, not, not a whole lot. I-, I really was hoping that we could find something particularly great for us to go over. But for the most part, the news does not have much that's uh, requiring an occult perspective. There's a handful of things that we could uh, rattle off here and give some uh, you know, quick highlights of. University of Minnesota researchers find ancient meteor crash site below suburb. The only thing we can hope for is that it contains a Lovecraftian entity that drains the vitality from the suburbs before ricocheting back out into space. That way, the only victims will be suburbanites. (laughs) Because if it's the other type of Lovecraftian entity that has come to teach us the new ways of of madness and ecstasy we're we're gonna have bigger problems let's see uh lake erie fishing tournament ends in cheating controversy that that's just good magic right there cheating is always good magic absolutely there's no difference between a magician and a con man well actually no it's not good magic because they there ended up being a controversy about it oh you're right you're right if you were if you were good you wouldn't have gotten caught yep yep like all things Oh, what else we have here? Facts come to the rescue in the age of gaslighting. What's gaslighting? I think somebody, they're making that up. Yeah, I've never heard of that term ever. Nobody says that. Yeah, no one's ever used that. That's not a thing. Um, let's see. Um, the only other headline that has any real relevance magically, I guess, is, uh, Lizzo got to play an ancient symbol of a um patriarchal god and people are mad about it i'm sure if you had a vested interest in causing controversy and outrage you would definitely have a lot to say about it but at the same time there is the question of is lizzo haunted now oh yeah yeah definitely lizzo isn't the minute you played that crystal flute the ghost of James Madison has come back and is just in her house now, even at this moment. Forming uh, spectral committees to discuss what to do about this unintended necromancy. Yeah, no, in fact, it's not even going to be that. It's just going to be the parts of Hamilton that James Madison is in, just playing randomly out of, like, her Apple speaker. So, like, all ten lines? Yeah, yeah, just random parts, just, you know... Why he even brings the thunder and she's just like, what the hell? What's going on here? I don't know. Lizzo, Lizzo probably likes Hamilton. Probably, I mean, that probably won't do. be so bad. Yeah. But just so those did, parts over and over again. So, so did Lizzo, did Lizzo like national treasure, like some museum <laughs> to get her hands on this, this crystal flute? I'm like, did she get James Madison's flute? She they she tricked them into thinking she was getting one of those slide whistles from the gift shop, but it was actually the flute. <laughs> you know? 
If she did, that would be good magic. It'd be great. But if not, it, but uh, uh, but so far it's just unintended necromancy. Mm-hmm. I look forward to seeing her get into her pop magic phase where she steals Squidward's clarinet. <laughs> oh man, uh, that'll really cause some outrage. Honestly, the um. The thing that weirds me out more about the whole Lizzo thing is that people suddenly care about James Madison. I mean, founding father, former president. I mean, yeah, but come on. They don't know who James Madison is. Like, you know, again, you, well, yeah, you, you learn that from Hamilton. Hamilton. I mean, no, they're like, you know, that that the guy, you know, the one he's he's Thomas Jefferson's hype man. You know, the guy. <laughs> they're like, oh. Madison, Billy Madison. I like him. I mean, that Adam Sandler, he's funny. <laughs> She's playing a flute. I thought he played a guitar. I saw him on the well, Saturday Night Live. <laughs> okay. I'll give you that one. That's funny. Um, I, I, I think maybe if we are going to talk a little, little bit of magic, we could talk about the notion of the... We could talk Jungian collective unconscious, or we could talk about the idea of patriotism as like collective egregore or something like that where it's like oh. there are there there are people that are definitely tapped into a an idol uh, a idolization of America's historic democracy right oh yeah it doesn't and they have an incredibly skewed perspective don't we all but they have an incredibly skewed perspective of what is and isn't disrespectful to the memory of, of our, our nation and our heritage and that this, that, and the other. And also remember that there are very, very skilled con men who do a lot to make things that are really non-problems into problems because they've got advertisers that they need to keep eyes glued to. And oh, that's right. really all I, I could say. It's like, I'd love to ascribe like a real sinister type of magic to it. But as we said, you know, the difference between magician and con man is, eh? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Somebody, somebody that can get your attention and manipulate the way you're thinking is more or less a magician, you know? Somebody gets you to, if somebody gets you to care about it enough that you're having outrage, and that's not even getting to the idea of how much this is manufactured to begin with. That goes into the whole question reality and then question what you're questioning, blah, blah, blah. Question questioning. Just forget about it. I, I think with stuff like this, it's much more useful to make a joke, to laugh about it and keep going, keep pushing. We've all got more important things to worry about. Oh, well, yeah, I mean, and let's be honest, you know, not only will everyone forget about this incident in like a week's time, but also everyone will forget about the existence of a crystal flute that was given as a symbol of James Madison's presidency. And then they'll also forget about James Madison and we'll all just well, go back to. Except for that museum, they're they're still hunting Lizzo down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, man. But what, what you don't know is that there's a secret insignia on the back of the flute that Lizzo had and you know she couldn't look at it while she was on stage so she had to you know kind of run her fingers over it just enough that she could get an idea of what it is yeah and Lizzo and that, will be it, on her way to um the middle of a Gainsboro tomorrow to dig up a pit yeah and in that pit is a severed finger of Adam Weishaupt yeah with its Bavarian Illuminati ring Yep, yep. But it's actually a Bavarian chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. This was all actually a quest for a snack. <laughs> that's uh that's the thing no one talks about with the Illuminati is that it was all just Adam Weishaupt's uh convoluted plot to just make some some really good, you know, uh chocolate. Yeah, it was like a Willy Wonka type deal. <laughs> Adam Weishaupt in the chocolate factory. <laughs> Come with me, and you'll be in a world, in a world of, pure of pure illumination. illumination. Yeah, God, I'm glad uh, we were on the same brainwave there. Okay. Um, as far as uh news articles that have anything to do with magic, um, I figured I found one that's kind of 
Well, the headline's promising. We can dig through it a little bit to see if there's anything actually interesting in here. Ish, ish, ish. This is from The Conversation, and um, it's the article is called The Spellbinding History of Cheese and Witchcraft. It opens okay. with a oh oh god yeah I think I think we've all sure. seen this one actually um it's like I was scrolling through Twitter recently a viral tweet caught my attention it was an image from a book of spells claiming that you may fascinate a woman by giving her a piece of cheese I will tell you all that in the spirit of chaos magic I have tried this multiple times and fascinated is not the word I would use for it confused bewildered hungry. maybe hungry yeah. Those are about all I've gotten. The spell comes from Catherine Paulson's 1971 book, The Complete Book of Magic and Witchcraft. Man, they made a whole book of it already? What are we doing here? That's the, they <laughs> it's said the it's complete, the complete book. Well, it's the complete one. That's complete it. We don't have anything else. You're doing you're experimenting and stuff over there. She got it. Oh, oh man, I was Call wrong. up your girl Paulson. What'd you say her name was? Uh Catherine Paulson. Oh man, just Katie already got this shit figured out, everybody. It's not entirely clear why cheese is seen to have magical properties. Have you ever had it? It's delicious. <laughs> you can shut well, a whole table up by bringing them a charcuterie board, just a little, little cheddar on there, a little cracker. Everyone will shut up. Cheese is one of those few foods that there is an infinite variety of them, and you, you will... I think you will, we will all die not having tasted every cheese. And that in of itself is magic. I, I think we need to change the name of, um, of the podcast. We're just, we're gonna be, we can still be CMN, but we're just going to be Cheese Magic News. Oh, I'm, I'm all for it. The 20th century mystic Hildegard von Bingen compared cheese making to the miracle of life in the way that it forms curds or solid matter from something insubstantial. Tell anyone with lactose that like milk is insubstantial. That'll mess <laughs> your whole damn day up. This is starting to sound like that spontaneous generation abogenesis or uh, abiogenesis guy who it's like if 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 uh if if evolution's true, how come no how come we've never found life inside of a peanut butter jar? <laughs> I don't know I mean, if you I know found what I'm life in a peanut about. butter jar. I'll, I'll yeah, I, I do. Oh God, okay. uh, please do. Uh, but I, I have seen it. Uh, in fact, I think I remember you telling me about it is what I remember more than anything. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Oh God. All right. All right. Cheese magic stretches back long before Hildegard in the medieval period. The second century diviner Atremidorus? Artemidorus? Artemidorus. We'll go with the third take. Oh, that's that. my favorite kind Men of cheese. Yeah. Mm, uh, mentions tyromancy cheese divination as a method of discovering the future in his treatise i'm not gonna even try to pronounce that one well, Oni well pause real quick. yeah this is what i'm talking about dear listeners as far as experimentation you don't know cheese mancy might totally be your thing you yeah, might be you've so never... good at it you might that might be the best method you will ever try in your life and you'll never know unless you go for it. So please well, get that slab of Colby Jack and just, I don't know what you do. I guess you stick, maybe stick a fork in it. Maybe leave it out and see what animals nibble pieces out. And that's how you get it. I don't know. But you can, you will, you will know. And you will be the greatest cheese wizard that this world has ever seen. The real question though is, can you use American cheese? Because it's not actually cheese. Well, you have it's to have a fake and American. Divinity. It's fake and American. Oh, oh boy. Oh, boy. Ugh. Ugh. Jesus. Oh, oh, it also says, ironically, given our later association of cheese with vivid dreams, Artemidorus claims that cheese fortune telling is among the most unreliable. Well, I mean, I don't think that's fair to, like, the cheese. I think that's just implying that, like, if you just pick a random fucking, if you just pick a random fucking thing and be like, "This will tell me the future," I mean, you, you know, come on. It's like if I just walked outside and be like, "All right, the fir the first bald person I see that's gonna tell my future," and I just walk up to him like, "Hey, what's gonna happen tomorrow? Who's gonna get kicked? <laughs> Who's gonna be revealed on the mass Singer tomorrow?" And I just go with that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's kind of you know, I mean, like that's not, I don't think it's fair to the cheese here is what I'm getting at. Maybe we shouldn't project our desires for a causal events 
onto cheese. Cheese is here to satisfy our hunger and go great over chips. What more do you need? <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, this might be the best quote in this entire thing. Check it out. Um, this didn't stop later generations from interpreting cheese dreams, though. The interpretation of dreams, a 17th century English manual, advised that to dream of cakes without cheese is good. Those which had, have both significant... What the hell? Okay, I'm sorry. I think it's because it's like old English or something, but I think it's trying what it's trying to think. Those which have both significant deceit and treason by a Welshman. What? I I I, I don't know. I'm not I'm not intelligent enough for this. <laughs> I mean, I all I'm saying is that apparently, you know, um it, cheese has something to do with treason for the Welsh. I mean, I don't I don't know if any of our, our listeners are from Wales, but please explain to us what's your problem with cheese. One of the most common uses for magic cheese in medieval and early modern periods was to identify thieves and murderers. Do they have the cheese? That's them. They're the thief. <laughs> the method could be quite simple. First, bless cheese with a prayer. For example, you might say, may his mouth be cursed and full of bitterness. Under his tongue, pain and labor. If he is guilty, he will eat in the name of the devil. If he is not guilty, he will eat in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then feed a small piece to each of your suspects. The culprit will be unable to swallow their piece of cheese, thus admitting their guilt. Again, like the, the, hor the horrible treatment of the lactose intolerant by these people. You're like, nah, I can't what? eat this. I, 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 my stomach well, gets all messed up. You're going to the gallows, bud. Sorry. <laughs> that is a tall order for some cheese, man. That is, oh, cheese, cheese does so much for us as a society, and we're just asking it to do things that it's not meant to do. Guys, just, you want to do some, you want to do something You want to do something related. magical with cheese? Just, just make some craft. It's witchcraft if you, <laughs> if you chant it. Oh, God, oh, oh, I just got, oh. Uh, yeah, I'm yeah, you're not having a good time. show. <laughs> okay is that enough cheese banter you think um i think so um Did, what how does the article end give me like the last line and then we'll move on the link between cheese and love magic doesn't stop at seduction though in the 14th century germany biting a piece of bread and cheese and throwing it over your shoulder was meant to ensure fertility and relationship cheese could also cure male impotence it has never had that effect on me. Never, never. Well, did you throw it? Did you throw it over your shoulder? Oh no, no! If a pesky witch had cursed a man's genitals, a medieval Italian cure was for the man's wife to bore a hole in cheese and feed him the resulting pieces. I, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving those alone. I, I've got nothing to say on that. <laughs> We, you know, we, we do have to at least admit, like, you know, chaos magics get chaos magic gets a uh, a kind of a, a, a rap for being a wacky and like, you know, anything goes sort of thing. But you got to give you got to give the um, the medievals credit. They were willing to they were going the extra mile to be like, we will be laughed at in the future for our magical practices. Um, yeah, given Europeans' long-standing attraction to cheese, perhaps it is perhaps it is no wonder that Catherine Paulson's spell is so short and why it needed no further elaboration. So they're basically just saying, like, yeah, man, cheese. Everyone likes cheese. Of course you'll fascinate a girl if you give it to her. Oh boy. Well, I don't know if I'd call that news, but it's certainly an interesting article. Um, yeah. I think we do have one. We do have one more thing of news that we can touch on, and this is actually kind of chaos magic news. So, yeah, yeah, crazy. Yeah, uh, we're doing is, stuff. <laughs> there is the ongoing vice debacle in which a, oh, a yeah. notable, a notable chaos magic group is being accused of some things and some stuff by some people. And uh, if you know, you know. If you don't, you don't. But uh, the, as far as I know, the article still isn't out. Maybe, maybe if the article does come out and there's something worth really oh, talking about, oh, we will about, be covering than, it. Um, we'll, yeah, we'll no, be all you, over it. I'm sure. Even if, even if there's nothing in it worth talking about, we'll be covering it. 
we're just gonna <laughs> okay. like you know we're just gonna look at it and be like this is what all this hullabaloo is about this is this is what yeah. it was oh boy i think the only th- i think the only thing i can say about it is that when when it comes out i'm expecting it to not be nearly as targeted or as notable as certain elements were playing it up to be and that's i think that's you mean really us? All. It, it'll probably be a real nothing article and it may vaguely mention a cult group blank well but i, I mean, felt like you know, maybe we we'll should maybe we should at least bring it up oh yeah yeah and i mean and i'm sure we'll get more into that fiasco later especially if um anything does come of it and if nothing comes of it then we can do a nice recap of just how um impressionable to uh, a couple of claims people can be when they want to be i say earlier you know someone who gets in your head and alters your perception and turns a, a a nothing issue into something that really can get everybody's attention that's that's a pretty effective magician isn't it oh yeah oh but, yeah well yeah we we do have we do have one more thing to do if uh you want to go through with it still oh what's that uh a certain prominent magician and um writer has a new book out don't they they certainly do they certainly do grant morrison grant Grant, morrison dear uncle grant ah yeah well they're they're non-binary now so i don't know i don't know a gender neutral for your your one of your parents siblings but either way Dear old Grant has a new novel out, and while it's not an occult text per se, it actually does have a lot to do with magic in general. Where the it, there, I believe that it's supposed to have its own sort of magical system. But there's sigils literally across the cover. They look like they were made with the the ChaosTarot.com thing. Like really, oh, they yeah. look like. They look like shout out to chaostarot.com. Absolutely love them. But I'm 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 really interested. I haven't gotten far enough in. I did pre-order it because it's it's Grant Morrison, of course. I'm I'm gonna support them. And I was curious given the subject matter, but I haven't really gotten very far because I just a lot of stuff got in the way and I just haven't. I mean, had yeah, time you're to moving and everything. Open. Yeah, yeah. Which which is fine. It's not so like I said, it's not so much an occult text, but there's a lot of occult. There's probably a lot of, of worthwhile occult things in this book. Hopefully, possibly, you know, maybe, maybe if we're lucky. But that's at least what spiked my curiosity. Now, here's the thing. As far as I know, this is Grant Morrison's first novel. Ever. So when you spend a long time writing for comics. You, especially when you're very good at it, there's the question on whether or not it is going to translate. Oh yeah, I mean, did you read um Jerusalem when Alan Moore put that out? I did not. I've heard good things, but um, I, I will say what I have read is very good, but it's also one of the longest things I've ever seen in my life. And I say this mm. as someone that pours over freaking you know, big old philosophy tomes all goddamn night. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, it is it is a huge, huge freaking undertaking to try and read that. And like I said, Alan Moore, you know, he's written, you know, actual books and, you know, various things before. So I know he's all right, but it's one of those Mm. things of like, just like who Alan, buddy, who is this for? Who has time to read all of this? Certainly not me, because as I've said, I've barely gotten into this book at all. <laughs> I barely have right. time to read like a, a what is probably about an average length novel. And I'll, also, I'll, I'll, a brief aside, if anybody is listening and they have a suggestion where they say, hey, I think you guys should read Black Leviathan, the grimoire of the Big Forehead tribe, please let us know. You know, I, I would love to talk about any, pretty much any occult text that you think is worthwhile, or especially if you think it's just really bad. <laughs> yeah. Know? And especially if, if it's come out, you... if it's, if it's recent or if it's new, let us know. We will very gladly yeah. 
pay the that five dollars for this book that and will read it, it if it's, even if, if we it just drag out, it if it came out within a month or so it will that'll put it at the top of the list because then we can talk about this is what's going on right this is part of this is the popular current right here but oh yeah i did because this came out in september you know this is pretty new and it is grant morrison who as far as chaos magic concerned is by most people's standards one of the greats I mean, yeah. Did your did your hyper sigil let you write uh, Justice League? I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, very much a, a, a raging success story as far as chaos magic is concerned. If you at least if you ask them, I mean, well, yeah. I mean, but, they went from writing the Invisibles to writing like you know, again, getting to that's every like childhood dream of like someone that wants to be a comic book writer right like getting to write superman and freaking batman and shit yeah you know very true they very did true. it they did it they've as far as i know they've gotten to do pretty much anything they wanted creatively i'm sure there's lots of ideas that just never came to fruition but they've gotten they've got so much clout and uh such a work history that they get a lot of wiggle room to do a lot of stuff that most creators still don't get away with. And at the same time, you know, as a, a, a big promoter and proponent of, of, of magic as a, as a practical application of stuff to get things done. And they've, when they do write about how to actually go about doing magic, they are pretty interesting. They are something written in heavy metal that goes over, the um the the various magical tools and stuff like that which is it's nothing earth shattering but it, it's got enough morrison flavoring to it that it'll, it'll give you something to think about it'll be presented oh, yeah. in a way that i didn't you know i i'm very familiar with what the wand is for but i didn't think about it like that how many people got into chaos magic from hearing grant talk you know do what was it called what, all the talk pop magic for disinfo oh yeah yeah all that stuff so that's the thing is that if nothing else, you can say that Grant Morrison is a talented writer who has done a lot to bring the occult to a lot of us weirdo fringe. And that's worth something. That's, you know, that's that's worth a lot, actually. Yeah. Unlike this book. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, now that we've sang their praises, uh, I'm very on the fence about this book so far. And I think you outright hate it. <laughs> Oh yeah, I mean again, I I will full disclosure, I have not read any more than what co-host has um read to me. But I think this is I mean, in fact, just do you want to you want to read the um first two paragraphs of it like we had planned and we'll, you know, snipe in with witty commentary? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I'll try not to meander too much because who wants to hear me just read from a book? But you know, I, I think it I think just this opening will do a lot because you'll get to this and you'll and you will know in your in your very marrow whether or not you're gonna like this book or not. I say that while I say I'm on the fence about it, but at the very least I know I'm going to read more. I'm going to finish this book even if I hate it. I'm gonna finish this. So maybe that's what I'll say. You'll know in your mirror whether or not this is a book you need to read or if this is something that you won't be able to stomach at all. All right. Um, well, you're going, go are ahead. you going to, I'm well, how about a brief pause and you can bring in the very classy, classy music that must accompany uh, a venture such as this. Oh, definitely. Where to begin. That's the big question. I hope you'll agree. You, me, where do any of us begin? Face it, an ill-judged wink across a crowded dance floor invites a lifetime of school bills, an inebriated bumble in the dark, on the playing field, in the cloakroom, gets the same job done just as well. Even you, hearing this, you might be the product of a case of mistaken identity that wound up in the maternity ward. I'm not judging. Judging is your job. You'll wait, have to reach a verdict. Time out, time out. Judging is your job. That is not the nicest thing that I've heard someone claim that I need to. That, that's, that's my job. That's your job. That's your job. 
bigot. <laughs> See, unlike you, I'm love, light, and positivity. Judging is what you do. You do. <laughs> okay, all right, and go people, ahead. And people that like and people like you are like this, and that's why I don't judge. <laughs> Oh boy, that's terrible. All right. Okay. Yeah, that's bad. You'll have to reach a verdict after all the evidence in this case has been presented. That's how it works. Off we go. The pistol cracks, jump starting a sprinted high heel lunge from the starting blocks as we jostle for position in the human race. Oh, God. I... That's a groaner. It's just a real cliche, is my problem. It's just very cliche. It's something you'd imagine a much less talented writer falling back on. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's, it's, that's um, all I can say. It's a race because we're a race, but it's a race. Ugh. Okay. And you race in this race as a race. Oh, Big man. <laughs> <laughs> all right, go ahead. That's your job. <laughs> that's your job. All right, go ahead. Go I'm ahead. Sorry. Digging in for the long haul, and what starts as a sprinted marathon sprint winds down over decades until it's a hundred meter medicated crawl to the finish line. That's what you'd say if you were trying to be clever, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> that, that it's never a good sign when you have to point out that like what you're saying is clever. That, that means let's, it's not. Let's, that let's means it's that not clever. Real quick. <laughs> It's like, look, I know this is bad, but like, you know, pretend it's good. Suspend yeah, your well, disbelief long enough to think that that was clever. I'll, I'll, I'll save my thought on that till we get through this, because I want to be done with this. <laughs> Lucky me, I don't have to try. I've got the front stalls and the balcony eating out of my handbag most nights. I can bat an eye, purse my lips, and bring the house down like a drone strike any night of the week. Tonight happens to be a Wednesday. Like yours truly, it can go one way or another on Wednesday. But the weather's rotten outside, as my dripping, demoralized umbrella will confirm. And that's generally enough to guarantee a packed hall from the orchestra pit to the gods and nosebleeds. So, if you ask me, and on the clear understanding that there's nobody else here in the dressing room, you may as well take the plunge. It doesn't matter where we begin, does it, babes? Ah, so that was um, you'll notice that we're two paragraphs in and we're just now getting to the actual date. They, they establish at least it's Wednesday. It's Wednesday. It's my Wednesday. Dudes. It's raining. It's raining. And there we're was something a about a drone room. strike. I'm, I'm I don't know if I'm OK that. with that. OK, this is just anyway, there's a little bit where there's a little bit more I just want to get to. And also, but there's also the, the question of, it doesn't matter where we begin, does it? And it's like, it, it most certainly does. <laughs> I, I don't mean, know yeah. where I am. I'm scared. <laughs> it's raining. It's Wednesday. I think, um, it, I think if, if, if we've learned anything from this, it's that it, it definitely does matter where we begin because we, you chose to start anywhere and we're just confused. Yeah. When all's said and done, we start off with nothing. You and me both and all the rest. Hardly matters what happens in between. We arrive with nothing and we finish with nothing. Am I right? 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 Is yeah. this thing on, folks? Is this thing on? Ugh. Zip. Zilch. Nada. Not. Nil. What better place to commence my narrative than here with nothing at all? Literally anywhere else. <laughs> I mean, anywhere. Honestly. This was definitely this was definitely a gamble of an opener, and it, it to me it, and don't get me wrong, it actually gets better from here. It does, you know. It, it it actually you start getting a story and things start getting established, and it's fine. We're, we might be being a little hard on it, considering that it, like yeah, it's just like the first two paragraphs. You know how many stories start with like just kind of long meandering, but. You know, on the other hand, it's like the man in black traveled across the desert and the gunslinger followed is is literally one sentence. It tells you everything you and need to boom, know, too. 
Yeah, you're right there. It feels like an attempt to bring some like mystery and intrigue to make you care. But instead, it just kind of leaves me going like, well, um, okay, but, you know, like, imagine you just walked into a dressing room, right? And this person started at you with this conversation. You would well, not, I, I mean, I don't know about you listeners, but um, I would be a little like, what the hell are you talking about? Jesse, <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> I think the positives of this is that even without giving us any real information, you're getting a lot and a lot and a lot and a lot of personality from that from this opener. You can hear the voice, and it doesn't sound like the voice that I've got. But I, <laughs> at least me, I, I, I can hear this character talking. I'm yeah, but like I don't, I definitely, like. I definitely don't know if I like this character at all yet. And that's the problem. It's a lot of personality, but the problem is, if the personality is is somebody that you find a chore to deal with, then maybe that isn't so good. And like you said, I I read that and was like, I know I'm getting through this book. I might hate it by the end, but I'm definitely getting through this. I feel like that is the that is the great filter as far as this is concerned. If you heard that and you were like, "I definitely want more," then by like get it. It's 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 you know you might like it, you might hate it, but if that would definitely pique your curiosity. But I'm sure a lot of people heard that and their brains just shut off. They were like, "What is this? What is this fucking dreck?" And I I feel like I'm not saying this just to bag on something that I think is bad. It's just very interesting that that is where Grant Morrison, of all people, that's where they started their novel. Yeah. And it's just a weird spot. It's a weird diatribe about nothing. Like, actually nothing. Yeah. And maybe all a, those different a, a synonyms that they found in Thesaurus about nothing. There's a bit of mortality, and then it's like it doesn't matter where we start, and it just it just feels like a very weird. That's a weird one. That's a weird start. It's a start about starting a story. Maybe that's what they were. Maybe what they were going for was this meta referential, talking about how to start something as the start of it. It just doesn't work very well for me. Yeah, yeah, it definitely doesn't work for me. Um, I think if, yeah. if they really believe that, start the book halfway through it. Just open the page and just start reading from there. <laughs> I'm gonna argue with I'm arguing with Brant's character. Yeah, and and the thing I can say is that maybe the point is you're supposed to be slightly turned off by this character, especially because if I were to, if I were to go on you will find plenty not to like about this person. Given Grant's proclivity for self-insert characters, I'm curious how much of this person is Grant. Is this Grant taking the piss out of themselves? Is this Grant exaggerating certain parts of themselves into this character or what? And for those ah, of you so it's who Grant Morrison anything, I don't like. <laughs> maybe, maybe. But for those of you that don't know, uh, I will give you the broad strokes of this book. The main character is Lucy LeBang, who is a drag queen theater performer who is also a magician. Magician in the sense of spooky, occult, woo-woo. There seems to be some sort of magical system that's based around glamour. And for people that are in the know, that is glamour, like a, a glamour means something. But I don't, I don't know if they mean the same thing in this book or not. I just haven't gotten that far yet. And Lucy LeBang has some sort of connection to this person called Luda, who is also a spooky woo-woo. And they get into a a sort of thriller battle of wits and magic over uh, something surrounding this 
the theater that Lucy is performing at. And I won't go any further than that. And honestly, I don't know much more than that. I tried to stay away because I wanted to go in with as little information as possible. You wanted to start from nothing because it doesn't <laughs> matter. God, that's your job. <laughs> that's your job. I, I really love how occult writers, whenever they end up writing about you know, in works of fiction, I mean, about like writing a, 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 a fictional story that has real quote unquote magic as part of the background. It always ends up turning into self-insert characters fighting with their real life enemies. Like I just think about Moonchild where like the, the two of the main characters are just Crowley and better Crowley and the bad guys Mathers. Yeah. It's it's something that it's Chris very, Chan levels of uh, fiction. It, it, it's, what? So it's Chris Chan levels of fiction. Oh, oh, yeah. It's it's very Simon much if the... is my OC. No steel. <laughs> it's it's just very much that. And, and maybe there is something to be said about that level of symbolic self insert kind of magic. It's certainly that's the whole point of the invisibles. Maybe there's something to be said for it. Maybe not. That's that's oh yeah. That's I mean, as your a, job. That's <laughs> your um, job. We should write a. We should write one. Right. Write hey, hey, self in. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. Check it out. Um. All right. Uh. Where to begin? I don't know. I don't pay attention to that. <laughs> Just start wherever. Whatever you feel like doing. You know, wherever the story is. Look, I'm Johnny Francis. Um, Johnny yeah. Francis. Johnny Francis. It's my self-insert. It's just a veiled. It's a veiled version of me. I'm Johnny Francis. You know what's in a name? You know, like where? Why did the apple fall on Newton? I don't know. That's your job. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, we already got more information out of this story than we got in the beginning of Luda. We know we yes, we know who they are. They're Johnny Francis. <laughs> They got questions. They don't know what's going on. And it's your job. <laughs> they're going to have oh, a, they're, they're, their enemy character is going to be um, um, co-anchor. That's what it'll be. What? Why? Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. Co-anchor. And he's, he's, he's going to have a whole struggle about, um, you know, um, you know, trying to get his, um, uh, a cult talk radio show off the ground, but but his co-anchor keeps uh, you know, using um sigil magic and and leaving cum stains on the the desk. God no! Why? Yeah, yeah, the worst. I I think this is gonna be a much Why better story than Luda. Making... Why are you making me the bad guy? I'm trying to help you. <laughs> I mean, well, who else could I make the bad guy? Could I make Grant Morrison the bad guy? <laughs> Johnny Francis in my arch, I don't... my arch nemesis, um, Blant Morrison, <laughs> Mant uh, Gorison. I don't, I don't know how. And to he keeps he... That's your job. <laughs> That's your job. I'm Johnny Francis. They keep putting uh, hidden messages. In the Justice League comics that they're writing. Oh, oh man. Uh, well, well I, I don't, we um, don't have anywhere to go but down from there. That's our peak. We are definitely going down. That being said, I guess this is where we got to end it. This has been Chaos Magic News, the official news source of all the Yetis in the Himalayas. As always, if you or a loved one have been affected by Sigil Magic, and its propensity to leave stains on things, please contact us immediately. You may be entitled to compensation. Other than that, you can check us out. We're on Twitter at Chaos Magic News. We are on Instagram and Facebook. You can check us out at the new chaosmagicnews.com where we'll have articles and links to the podcast and the various interviews that we're doing and all that good stuff. And that's about it. We appreciate you listening. Uh, co-host, you got anything else you want to add? You want the last word? I mean, what else can I say? Like, I don't know. That's your job. Your, that's your job. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
there. We've run the joke into the ground in yep. record time. And it wasn't funny when we first said it. It's not funny now. <laughs> uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Yeah, thank you, everyone. We will see you next time. The God before all gods who will persist to the end of the world. <clears throat> we're in the, my will. We're in the, the seventh aeon now, though. So what are what are you now? Now I'm Lizzo. Pan flute. <laughs> Pan flute. Oh, that's that's absolutely perfect.